Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brittany. I'm Diana. And this is episode 19. Today, we'll be reviewing season four, episodes three and four of The Walking Dead with the lens of choice. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Brittany? I'm doing okay. I just woke up from a nap, so I'm kind of in like a zombie daze right now. <laughs> but I have coffee, so I'm good. How about yeah. you? Um, I'm just really busy today, <laughs> and I have the next few days off, so I'm really exciting. Get to go camping with my friends, and it's mm. going to be really hot. So. <laughs> and I know, we live in California, so anyone who's listening out of here, they're saying play your violin diana (laughs) (laughs) your tiny violin on your shoulder (laughs) oh well well you'll have fun i will (laughs) all right now for our recaps season four episode three isolation tyrese is upset and needs answers now he wants to know who murdered his beloved karen and rando david and tells rick that he better figure this out. So more people are sick, including Sasha and Glenn. So Daryl and company go 50 miles out to get antibiotics from a veterinarian hospital. Meanwhile, Herschel goes to Selwalk D to take care of the sick and Carol fixes their water pump and then admits to Rick that she was the one who killed Karen and David. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Season four, episode four, Indifference. Two road trips happen during this episode. One road trip consists of Daryl, Tyrese, Michonne, and Bob looking for meds to heal the sickness. Tyrese has to deal with his emotions, and the others save Bob from walkers only to find his backpack doesn't contain medications but a bottle of booze, which infuriates Daryl. The other road trip is Rick and Carol looking for food and meds, and they meet a young couple, and Rick realizes he can't trust Carol and sends her off on her own, telling her she is strong and will survive. Okay, Brittany, where did you see the theme of choice in these episodes? I noticed that everyone chooses how they treat the sick people of their group and how they react to it, though... It is grueling to get a grip on your emotions when the stakes are high. I acknowledge that. But I do love how fiercely Tyrese stands watch of Cell Block D, and he wants to protect Sasha especially. I find it so perplexing, though, that no one else thinks this is a valuable, clever thing to do. If the person who killed David and Karen is still running around, they could definitely try it again with the rest of the people who have this illness. You have a murderer on the loose. Mm -hmm. Now, I know it was Carol, who does not have a malicious soul, and she's not evil. I know that. She's actually very intelligent and brave and protective, and I know that she chose to do this to protect the community. But I do have conflicted feelings about sacrificing some for the good of the rest. I don't know. If this was any time but the zombie apocalypse, I feel like communities would be up in arms. Imagine if you were in a commune or a really small gated community and two people were murdered and there was absolutely no possibility that it could be anyone on the outside. Just imagine that. Mm-hmm. You would not feel safe or secure and, and you'd sleep with one eye open until yeah. that person was found. So I totally agree with Tyrese's choice to vehemently defend his baby sister. 
And I also love that he chooses to show a strong face for Sasha. He tells her to stay positive and to have positive vibes. And I like that because you can tell he's so distraught over it, but he does tell her like to be positive. So I think that's really great. I also saw this with Maggie's reaction to Glenn having the sickness. So she's understandably heartbroken to know that he could die, right? And her and Beth have this exchange and it's reminiscent of season two when Beth is hopeful that Herschel will be fine while Maggie is quickly distraught and preparing for the worst. Beth's matter-of-fact nature sometimes feels dismissive and insensitive to me, but I do appreciate that these two are kind of consistent in how they behave during crisis or conflict management. I know that Beth is trying to be strong and the emotions are later flipped in the episode, but it just really shows me how demanding it is to choose to repress your emotions, especially in times like this. Those are really good points, Brittany. So I have to talk about Herschel. I love his character and the actor. He really gets to me. And he made several choices here and each one was high risk. He made a choice to go out to the woods to find elderberries. He's missing a leg. (laughs) He can't run. He put himself at risk to gather elderberries to make tea as a flu remedy. He also makes a choice when he returns with the berries to take them to the sick. And Maggie catches him and asks, what is he doing? She and Rick do not want Herschel to go into the cell block to help the sick. He says he is no use to them outside and he can do so much inside. For so long, they didn't have a choice. Everything is done to them. And this time Herschel says he can make a difference. He reminds them, You step outside, you risk your life. You drink water, you risk your life. You breathe, you risk your life. Herschel feels empowered that he has a choice. He knows he can save lives, even at the risk of his own. And it's something that he decides he needs to do. Maggie hesitates, but opens the door for him, which must be so hard for a daughter to do. Mm -hmm. Then he makes another choice. Once he is inside the prison and giving tea to Dr. S, Dr. S coughs out blood all over the place and Herschel takes off his bandana that was covering his nose and mouth. He probably figures he was just infected. I don't know, but Herschel is so brave and such a committed caretaker, doctor, veterinarian. Herschel is a man of faith and will take things as they come. And as he always says, we have a job to do. And that's what he is there to do. So, Brittany, where else did you see the theme of choice? I saw it all over. So, multiple people say, we can't be like that. That's how it needs to be. We don't know if we get it tomorrow. We don't get to be upset. Or, I have to, especially. It's almost overkill because I heard it about seven or eight times. But I know the writers did this to show us how powerfully the characters are controlled by fear, walkers, and survival. Their agency is almost completely detached and taken away from them by forces that are just simply too strong to overcome right now. It makes sense. This is their life now. Pure survival. However, I loved um, the quote and ending your quote, Diana, that Herschel really encapsulated everyone's feelings by saying, every moment now, you don't have a choice. The only thing you can choose is what you're risking it for. 
This relates to us too, and I've seen it in real life, movies, books, podcasts, whatever. We are always having this discussion on our lives. The meaning and how we choose to live it, regardless of any macabre circumstances. For example, if someone's diagnosed with a disease with a few months to live, they have a choice on how they want to live out the rest of their days. Some people choose to be Saturnine, self-deprecating, and withdrawn, while others choose to finish their bucket list, quit their jobs, and enjoy the next few months. This also goes for people of all ages who are not sick or have a countdown. Some people are futilitarian, who find that trying to make meaning out of life is inane, and they're rarely excited or impressed. They basically preclude themselves from ever being happy or content with life in general. They're just never impressed. On the other hand, there's those open, quixotic souls, like the dreamers who think life is magical, and they act accordingly, and I think that's great that we have that balance. So Herschel is right. We do choose every day what we're risking our lives for and how we spend our time. And that's why I never care that people make fun of Jimmy and I for going to bed early (laughs) and waking up early because we are happy, right? Like it's our lives. Like we love each other. We support each other's dreams and growth. And that's all that really matters. So that really stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. That's so true. (laughs) And I'm glad you're happy. You keep doing it. So I also saw the theme of choice with Rick. Throughout their run, Rick evaluates Carol's actions and notices she has become cold and indifferent to certain things. They meet a young couple, Anna and Sam, who will return with them to the prison after searching for supplies. Anna has a bad leg and Sam's shoulder is still weak, so Rick recommends they wait for them to return, but they want to help, and Carol encourages them. Later, they find... Anna's leg and see Walker's bent over eating her. Carol doesn't really have a reaction. They wait at the house for Sam and after a couple hours, Carol says they should leave and Rick wants to wait longer. And then Carol laments Rick losing a nice watch. (laughs) It is here that Rick realizes he can't trust Carol and he makes the decision to banish her from the group. He also tells her that Tyrese will kill her Mm -hmm. when he finds out and the others will be mad. She questions him, making decisions for the group, and he tells her he isn't doing this for the group, but for himself. He doesn't want her near his family. It's a super hard decision, and I don't know if I could have done it, but I understand why he did. And I kind of liked it because... We saw Rick in the last season kind of cutting himself off from people and not wanting to let new people in a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, like that was our discussion a lot. And it's kind of flipped now because now he has more hope. And even though that crazy lady. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it seems like he has more hope now for letting new people in. And I like seeing that. And now it seems like Carol is all about just survival mode and that she's trying to remove all her emotions from it, which is hard. So I know Carol's changed so much, but of course it's it's actually good. Mm-hmm. Always liked Carol, but I just find everything she's doing, even though it's like not that good or whatever. I don't know. There's something that it's like it's like you do what you got to do. You're not always going to make everyone happy. Yeah. So I get why she did and it, and that's the thing. I think we we appreciate why she's doing it. Mm-hmm. She's not doing it for herself. She's just trying to take care of business. Totally. She's trying to help the group. Mm -hmm. It's just she has a different way of getting there. Right. And not 
a way everybody would agree upon. So and. I feel like it's something Shane would do, honestly. Yeah. You know, like totally. You're right. She's filling in the spot for the person who just does what needs to be done. Yeah. And of course it's clashing with Rick's ideology of trying to keep the peace. So it's interesting, but yeah, Yeah. that was hard to watch. Yeah. So Okay, Brittany, what other things did you notice? So I bring this up a lot, (laughs) but I want to acknowledge my privileged, blessed comfortable life. I don't make a ton of money considering our cost of living in the Bay Area. And I don't live in a luxurious apartment or go on elaborate vacations. However, I have groceries to cook food every day. I have three cars that give me access to everything I need and want, including grocery stores, visiting loved ones, going to work, all of that. I have a variety of clothes that I can wear for various occasions. I have a cell phone, a laptop, and tablet that let me use certain apps, communicate with others, and entertain myself with games or shows. I have a stable, bi-weekly income, and mm-hmm. I can pay my bills, especially paying off my damn student loans. <laughs> <laughs> I have a TV, I have air conditioning, I have a bed, a shower with running water. I know I sound like a broken record, and I'm so preachy, but watching Carol pump the water and have to go out near the walkers to fix it just so they can have some clean water. Also, when they're getting these pills at the vet's office, I realize that we face different dilemmas when it comes to healthcare. In our world, it's a matter of expenses, and if your insurance covers it, if you can afford it, but it's available. In their world, it's if the medication is physically close enough to you so you can run and Mm -hmm. get it. If it is still available, you can't call someone, see if it's there. You have to go and find out for yourself. And you go through danger to get it. Mm -hmm. Wow. That really humbled me. I know that I'm spoiled to some people, and I acknowledge that. I really don't know how I would function in the zombie apocalypse. I think sometimes I give myself too much credit in thinking I'd be like, Carol, running out there to fix something (laughs) in order to help the entire community. However, maybe I would act like those annoying, meek, helpless characters that I yell at sometimes for being so slow, so terrified, and their inability (laughs) to act when needed. So I just wanted to bring that up again because it's so relevant. (laughs) That's funny. It's great to be appreciative of your privileges. That's awesome. But yeah, again, we always talk about it. Would we do that? Would we do that? I don't think I'd do what Carol did. I, I don't think I could do it. Scary. It's different, like how Tyree said, like you, you, you know, you go out like when you have to and you defend yourself, mm-hmm. but to go out for everybody for water, ah, right? I don't know. It's, it's hard. Really scary. And especially because Rick said, wait till tomorrow. She just chooses to do it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But that just shows you how ballsy she is. <laughs> right. That's very true. Yep. I want to bring up the fight between Rick and Tyrese. So Tyrese is pissed about his girlfriend being killed Mm -hmm. and torched, and Rick tries to calm him down by saying he has had loved ones die too. But right now, nothing is going to calm Tyrese down. Mm -hmm. He fights with both Rick and Daryl, but Rick gets pissed and fights (laughs) back, and it takes Daryl to break up the fight. What is crazy to me is that Tyrese looks pretty big. Mm -hmm. And how is it that Rick can punch him 
kick him and knock him down. Yet, when Rick fights other people that appear smaller than Tyrese, it's usually Rick who gets the crap knocked out of him, which is really annoying. Jimmy and I agree with this sentiment. We get very frustrated that... Rick is our favorite, and he's always getting his ass beat. He is. Always. I'm like, what? I know. What? Why? It's, I, 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 I totally agree with yeah. you. Yes. The governor's all choking his neck. Yes. And, like, he's all, like, ugh, dying on the ground until Michonne <laughs> comes and, you know. Yes. I and agree. Then, and Negan's beating, beating him up, and, and I oh, don't know. Big-ass Tyrese, no problem. I know. Oh. Right? <laughs> No. Oh my god, that's such a good point. So, anyway. (laughs) Okay, so, I want to talk very quickly about Bob's alcoholism and just how sad it makes me. I think it's very easy for us to judge, especially an African-American man. I just think people are not sympathetic to addicts, especially when they're non-white. And with Nick in Fear the Walking Dead, we feel more sympathies towards him. And we see him overcome his addiction, really because he's forced to, but also because he's so focused on surviving. And with Bob, I don't remember his future, and we're barely given time to get to know him and see his growth, but I just can't help but notice the difference in outrage over Bob's alcoholism versus Nick's addiction. So that just really stuck out to me. Did you notice anything else during these episodes? Uh, yeah, so when Daryl is driving to look for meds with Michonne and Tyrese and Bob, they hear a radio transmission that faintly says, Sanctuary, survive. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the first reference to Terminus. Ugh. The group is so shocked and distracted by what they hear that Daryl hits a bunch of walkers and stops the car, and they are confronted by hordes of walkers. When they show what they are looking at, it was the scariest thing. I couldn't see too many empty spaces. Visually, it was pretty full. I read that the herd in this episode was one of the largest in the Walking Dead media. The VFX supervisor turned 1,000 walker extras into 10,000. Yowza! That's a lot. That part really bugged me, too. I know it's the writing. I know there's a reason for the story. They had to all escape and run. But it bugged me that they were all just staring at each other, and no one noticed a bunch of walkers in front of them. I hate that. For me, when I'm in a car and someone else is driving, I also kind of feel like I'm driving. Like, I look around. Even if I hear something on the radio, I'm still looking. Like, no one could tell Daryl, watch out. Look, there's like (laughs) 50 walkers. I mean, I know there's a reason for it, but that just also bugged me. Well, they're probably going to say they were distracted by the thing. Because, I mean, really, you hear... I mean, you hear a radio transmission? Oh, my God, we could be saved. Who's right. out there? Who, you know, what? What was that? But I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it just really bugs me. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. All right. We are at our Why We Love Rick segment. So, Brittany, why do you love Rick? I love that Rick will hear people out but still stands his ground. When Carol admitted that it was her who killed Karen and David, he stands his ground by saying he does not think it was right. Even when Carol brings up Shane, Rick consistently states, he was going to kill me. And it's so different from the situation with Karen and David. Carol is trying to show Rick that she did the exact same thing that he did with Shane, but he corrects her that they are two very contrasting situations. 
This is why he chooses to not allow her to come back to the prison. And side note, I also really love that he goes on to talk about Ed, Sophia, and Lori with her. The story about Lori's god-awful pancakes was so <laughs> endearing and so real. I loved that they had that lighthearted moment between them, especially since their trip had such a gloomy ending. Yeah. Why do you love Rick? I love Rick for all the reasons that you just said and the conversation he had with Carol, too. They talk about clearing out the muck in the hoses to get water. And while Carol thinks they should do it now, Rick says, let's do it tomorrow. Carol ends up going out amongst the walkers by putting up a distraction to keep the walkers' attention while she tries to clear the hose. Unfortunately, they notice her and they start to swarm her and I am so on pins and needles. Rick walks out to the prison yard and sees her and irritatedly says, damn it, and runs along the fence yelling at her, run, run, Carol, run. <laughs> but Carol doesn't run. She keeps up the hose until the very last minute and then gets her knife stuck in the walker's head, just like we talked about previously. Yes. She ends up getting away with Rick's help. But what I love about Rick is that he loves his people. He ran so fast to get her, and I love his urgency. I want him around if we are ever in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> okay, so what are you currently watching, Brittany? So, I just want to start and let everyone know that I'm starting my master's program online, so... <laughs> and I started reading my textbooks for it, so just wanted to give everyone a heads up. I feel like people deserve an explanation as to why I'm not going to have my endless number of movies <laughs> anymore. But yeah, I just, I love school. I'm paying with my own money, so it's like my top priority, but I don't want people to worry. I still very much value my self-care, just different ways of doing it, and just, I guess, less of TV-wise. Just wanted to give everyone a heads up. For TV... I just want to tell everyone, do not watch The Proposal. <laughs> it did make me feel better about watching The Bachelorette because it's like a very shortened dating show, but it's just awful. It's backwards-ass television. Do not watch it, okay? Thank you. That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, I watched three movies. I watched Ocean's 8, and I think it's a brilliant spinoff. I just want to watch it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Cool. Yes, you should. Mm -hmm. This is what I have to say about it. I loved the star-studded cast, and Sandra Bullock is such a badass. Also, Anne Hathaway is freaking hilarious in her role, and I loved her. Oh, and awesome. this is not a spoiler, and it's not important to the movie, but I just love the clever ways that they make it realistic. Like, Sandra Bullock's character is on the phone with her bank, and she's telling the customer service employee, it's my account is my money and the only reason I cannot access it is because I cannot remember the make and model of my second cousin's first car. <laughs> that is so true. I know, I know. But something else that struck me was the soundtrack. It's super eclectic. It's full of rock, hip hop, pop, whatever. And one of the songs is Bossy by Kellis. It's like, I'm bossy. Like one of those uh -huh. songs, like funny. But it's, and then another one is These Boots Are Made For Walking. Uh -huh. So, it's a female-driven soundtrack, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And it was fun. Even though all of these women have such different personalities, one thing that they all have in common is their fierce, unwavering confidence. And they never take no for an answer. So when there are scenes with men, they're not intimidated by them. They actually do the intimidating. 
so they don't have to do this whole sexy, conniving, stereotypical Cersei archetype. They simply get their job done because of how intelligent they mm-hmm. are. So just thank you so much for having this movie. Yeah. I have nothing bad to say about it other than I want a sequel. <laughs> That's awesome. I wanted to see that. So, you should. Yeah. Highly recommend okay, it. Please. Cool. Especially for the guys who are like, oh, you can't redo Ocean's Lava. It's not a redo. It's a spinoff. Okay. <laughs> I also watched The Incredibles 2. And I stand by my belief that kids' movies are for the adults who take them to watch these movies. So there's a quote in the very beginning that says, politicians don't understand people who do good things just because it's right. It makes them nervous. It's just so relevant. And basically in this movie, superheroes are illegal. And this movie seems like a social commentary on distinguishing what is legal versus what is right Mm -hmm. and what's moral. And I saw this post on Instagram that's so poignant that I really had to share. It says, and this is I mean, by the time we release this, I hope that something has changed, but it says, yes, crossing the border without documentation is illegal. Being black without a white owner was illegal. Walking into whites only restaurants was illegal. In Germany, being a Jewish person was illegal. Without ethics, laws are just the stories we tell to justify horror. So I'm just really ashamed to be American right now, honestly, but with everything going on, it just really related to Mm -hmm. what was going on in The Incredibles too. And I also want to say that there, the flip side of that is it shows the dynamics of parents and how women and men are different in their roles. And so it reminded me of Cheaper by the Dozen with Steve Martin and Bonnie mm-hmm. Hunt because both of the wives, they have to leave for work for a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And the husbands really struggle running the households without their wives, but they don't want to admit it mm-hmm. or tell them to come home because these women are enjoying themselves, pursuing their passion. So I found that really interesting on top of all of that. So I think it's an incredible film. So <laughs> come watch it. <laughs> so go watch it. Lastly, I watched I Am Not Your Negro, and this was on Amazon Prime. It's a documentary, and I'm just going to read what I got from Wikipedia because it perfectly describes it. So this documentary is narrated by Samuel L. Jackson, and it's entirely inspired by James Baldwin's unfinished manuscript, Remember This House. And it's a collection of notes and letters written by Baldwin in the mid-1970s. So the memoir recounts the lives of his close friends and civil rights leaders Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., and Medgar Evers, and shows us how he grieved over their deaths. So it's really powerful, and I highly recommend it. What are you currently watching, Diana? I am continuing to watch So You Think You Can Dance and World of Dance, and I love them both. Actually, I love So You Think You Can Dance more. Mm -hmm. Um, The dancers are just so great, and I just really like all the judges. So, And in World of Dance, it's it's good, too. Oh, one quick thing. Have you seen Facebook's Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, I just saw that last week. And it was really really cool. I liked it because it's three generations talking about all kinds of topics. And I caught the sex conversation Mm -hmm. topic. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, this is a good one to come in on. Um, So I liked it. But for movies, I finally got to see Lady Bird. And I love this movie. The writing, the acting, the directing were so good. I love the mother-daughter relationship. It was realistically flawed. Christine, a.k.a. Lady Bird, was impeccably played by... 
Saoirse Ronan and her judgmental, passive-aggressive mother was brilliantly played by Laurie Metcalf. What I noticed and loved about this movie was that it moved quickly. It never overplayed any scene. It gave you a few seconds of something and you got the gist of it you know, what was happening, and it moved on. All the supporting actors were great, and kudos to Greta Gerwig, who wrote and directed this film that was nominated for five Oscars, Mm -hmm. and I am so inspired, really inspired. I want to go right. (laughs) Um, I also saw Hotel... Artemis, and it stars Jodie Foster and Sterling K. Brown, and it's set in the dystopian future, L.A. dystopian future, and Uh Foster is a nurse who runs a safe house for injured criminals, and it didn't get the greatest reviews, but it was different, and I liked it. I was rooting for the stars, so I appreciated the film, and then I saw Annihilation. This is a science fiction psychological horror film with Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee, and the story follows military scientists who enter the Shimmer, a quarantined area with strange biological happenings, and people go in, but they don't always come out, and if they do, maybe not quite the same, and it was a pretty good movie. But that was it. All good. Okay, we are at, and the award goes to segment. So, Brittany... Do you have a favorite quote, character, or moment? So my favorite moment was when Herschel and Rick are talking, and Herschel says, everything we've been working so hard to keep out, it's found its way in. And Rick says, no, it's always there. And I appreciate this because the darkness inside people is so prevalent, especially in our current society. So when thinking about suicide, especially with Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain in mind, I feel like... This quotation really captures the struggle that goes on every day for some people. And depression and anxiety are such powerful demons, and I see this in Bob too. So some people are just constantly battling depression, and it's easier said than done. When people commit suicide, we often say, I just don't understand. And I think even though that's such a simple statement, it's probably the closest we will get to voicing our relation to depression and suicide, unless we are in that ourselves. We really don't understand. And it's a somber topic, and I'm in no way an expert, but I do wanna say that I admire the fight and the strength of the people who are struggling right now. And I just wanna send everyone some light. Also, National Suicide Hotline number is 800-273-8255. Yes, that's so true, Brittany. Some people struggle with this every day and some suffer silently and we can't even fathom the depth of their despair. I wish them the strength to reach out to someone or call the hotline. They can even text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 from anywhere in the U.S. anytime about any type of crisis. So this made me think of Beth and her attempted suicide when she realized she didn't really want to die and thankfully survived. She copes with loss and death of close ones by keeping focused on doing her job, whatever that job might be. She has said it several times, we've all got jobs to do. And she got it from Herschel because he is always trying to give people something to hold on to, some hope a job to focus on. When he is in the prison tending to the sick, he goes to Glenn, who is very sick, and Glenn says, after everything, I will be taken out by a glorified cold. Herschel says, don't say that. You have to believe we all have jobs. This one is yours. 
I love Herschel in season four. He's my favorite. (sighs) Well, behind Rick. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday. Next show will be on season four, episodes five and six. You can find our blog in our show notes. See you next time. Bye.